What's good with you? Thanks for joining me. I'm Johan Francis CSCS, a.k.a. Slim the Toolman Taylor. And this is my show, Ego Killer. Thanks for joining me on the show where we talk everything that moves inside the gym to help you move outside in life where it really matters, where the obstacles are. I've spent the last week remodeling the inside of my space to make it a little bit better, bigger, happier, functional, and all the things. So I've had a lot of exercise, working with my hands, using hand tools, uh, crowbars, you know, I, I have honestly worked every muscle in my forearms and my hands. Like, I didn't even know I had some of these. So it's good to do something different. I actually had to get to the gym less. But I'm sure I still got to work out in. It happens. Right? It happens. There's always going to be a kink in your workout plans. We practice recovering from those things inside the gym. We practice getting back into our physical routine. You know, I'm reminded real quick of something The Rock said. Now, whatever you think about The Rock... You know, he is a mainstay inside the gym, right? I don't really follow him on Instagram, but I love one thing that he mentioned a long time ago about the gym being his anchor. So he says no matter what he's got going on, right, and this dude's doing movies, he's doing all the things, right, doing all the things. The gym's his anchor, and I always felt like that made perfect sense. It doesn't have to be the place where you're constantly setting PRs and throwing weight way up in the air, catching it, doing all the things. But it is the place where you anchor your day physically. Very few of us are not going to move around throughout the world, right? We're all going to be physical. We're all getting about the car. We're all moving. We're carrying things. We're pushing. You're lifting. You're controlling. You're physically moving. And because of that, the gym is a place where you can anchor and reinforce all those things. So hopefully you guys, if you've had vacation, a lot of my members and trainees here have had vacation or whatever you're into these days, you're getting back at it and finding a routine. Talking about routine, talking about setting that routine, that's actually the glorious thing about our body is that our body is really good about maintaining routine. Our body loves routine. And what I'm saying is not that our bodies love the same stuff day in and day out, but our body loves to be at what's called homeostasis. It loves just to feel normal. And it'll do everything in its power to return to normalcy once something gets thrown off your square. Once you get knocked off your square, your body's like, let me get back on. That right there is one of the things that makes the human body, the biological flesh bags that we are, super incredible. Borderline miracle, right? Is that we're able to return. Return. To normalcy, return to homeostasis. That essentially is the description of what hunger isn't. Hunger is not normal. Remember the last time you got hangry? Remember the last time you got really, really, really hungry? You didn't eat all day. You were past the point where you were just disoriented, right? Where you started to like conjure cheeseburgers out of like piles of clothes in your in your room or whatever it is, you're past that point of delirium, right? And you are actually like, I could just, I will do anything, anything to sink my teeth into some, into a bowl of carbonara or pasta. You started to imagine your favorite P 
piece of white fish, beans and rice, anything that makes your watery mouth. <laughs> you started to conjure that. Remember how that felt in your mind? That's the power of hunger. Hunger is a very powerful biological feeling, and it is a feeling. It's a feeling, and it is a biological kind of reset. So we're going to talk about the machinations of hunger today, because remember the last time you were super famished? Most of us are never truly starving in life. Like in America, we're lucky enough to have what we would call first world problems. And first world problems include the fact that we can say we're hungry and never truly be more than like 30 feet away from actual food. Even if you're way outside of the city, if you're about that foraging, you probably forage up yourself some berries, some spinach, right? Some mustard greens, whatever it is. Inside of our cities, when we see transients and we look at the homeless, unfortunately in some of our biggest cities, we feel pretty solid that most of our homeless are able to get to a shelter where they can get something to eat. In fact, a lot of homeless here are given food by passers-by, right? This isn't necessarily the crux of homelessness and um, transience here, right? It's not a lack of food. We're never truly hungry out here, but could you imagine? Could you imagine the things that your mind would set you to do just to get a bite of food up in your belly? Can you imagine how many arches you'd have to? You could, you all of a sudden are just craving the arches, right? Because you're just hungry, maybe even hangry. You'll do anything for food. That's how, that's how powerful the emotion, the machination of hunger is. It forces us into a lot of surprising behaviors. Not terribly life-changing, but over time, they can be. All right? Can you imagine what... Now, think about being starving just for a hot second. Be thankful that we don't experience this on a regular day-to-day basis out in these out in these states. But imagine what you do when you're really hungry. How does that change your mindset? Think about the behaviors that you make. I'm actually going to have you guys uh, go a step further and say, when you force yourself into a fasting state, when you do the, the, the metabolic fasting, the intermittent fasting on purpose, right? What do you start conjuring when you start doing your carb cuts and you start getting really, really, really hungry, right? We do this to ourselves on purpose, <laughs> on purpose. We put, uh, we risk certain eating behavior malfunctions <laughs> and because we're looking to lose weight. <laughs> we do it on purpose, right? Which alludes to you guys this, never undertake, never accidentally go the whole day without eating, all right? Unless you're going to do it on purpose for a very specific reason. On my website, CoachJohanCSCS.com, I have uh, PDFs about intermittent fasting. There's a way to do it. There's a way to do it. If you're thinking about doing it, go ahead and reach out to me. Let me know what you think. But there's a way to do it. You don't just do it. And those are the only auspices or circumstances where you should actually be undertaking, hey, I'm going to be hungry on purpose. Otherwise, look, being super hangry makes us, turns our behaviors. Can you imagine being super-duper hungry and what it does? So it's such a powerful emotion that it propels us to semi-rational moves just to out-jog the pangs of hunger. 
hunger forces us to do these three things, okay? We're really hungry, and the first thing that we want is to reestablish homeostasis. That's the first thing we go to in our mind. We want sugary stuff. It's the first thing we want. The first thing that gets obliterated inside of your bloodstream is what you would call glucose, right? Your blood sugar. It could be like a disaccharide made up of at least one part glucose. Disaccharide is just a molecule that is one part glucose and one part another type of sugar. So inside of your bloodstream, you got you know fructose and or glucose floating around, mostly glucose because blood sugar, all up in your bloodstream right now. And when that delicate homeostasis gets broken, that's when your mind goes haywire. Your mind starts going into places, trying to solve the equation of what do I do when my blood sugar starts to drop off. That's when you start snatching up all the Coke in the room, all the Gatorade that you could get to. Yes, Gatorade. All the sports drinks, all the candy that you see lying around. All the solutions for this hunger equation have to do with picking up something super sugary because that's what's deficient inside the bloodstream. So when you feel like, yo, I need to get some uh, sugar in my life right now, what well, we're going to consider when the last time we ate was. You saw that man, Marshawn Lynch, on the sidelines. He used to eat Skittles. Well, that was for a very different reason, not just because he was hungry, but because he was cognizant about his blood sugar levels. When they start to teeter off, your body starts to shift into different kind of energy system usages. If you maintain your homeostatic levels of blood sugar, even when you're playing super-duper high-level sport, you get more performance from your body. But most of us ain't thinking like that, right? Most of us ain't thinking like that. And you know who else isn't thinking like that? Unless you work at one of these awesome tech companies that will cater your every need with your food, your job. They're not thinking about you guys like and your hunger situation. They're thinking about solving your hunger situation. So a lot of the times when I would talk to you guys back in the day, before all the tech companies came around and decided to get like Michelin star food all up in the lunch menu, back in the day I used to talk to you guys and you guys used to tell me about what was lying around the office. And it was never any, it was like Krispy Kreme, the most sugary thing you can, it was, you know, bowls of candy, all these things. Why? Because it solved the equation of hunger. So whenever you guys at your offices specifically are in trouble of being super hungry, well, you don't have to look very far to grab something sugary to solve that problem. So that's the first thing. The second, th and look, all of our society's convenience foods are geared towards us solving that problem with sugary, sugary, delicious things. Here's the second problem with hunger, and here's the second behavior that it causes. Let me, you know, go to the website. Let me know. Does this happen to you? So the first thing is we want to cram pound sugary things in our maw. Here's the second thing. We want to binge eat a lot, right? So at the end of the day, you start to get really dissatisfied. You get really uncomfortable. You haven't eaten all day. You've been busy. You've been put to task all day. You have to climb the stairs, deliver this, email that, 10 meetings, presentations, a whole nine. And at the end of the day, you're super duper hungry, right? Super duper hungry. What happens? What happens? Everything is fair game inside the fridge. You're looking at your DoorDash app and you're like, yes. That's it. You're just like, yes, <laughs> right? And what I mean is everything starts to look good. And what 
typically happens is you eat way too much for that meal. You start drinking a little bit after. I don't just mean alcohol, anything. You start to consume. When you're done consuming, you start to consume again more food, a snack, a dessert. And what happens is you actually obliterate how many calories you need for the day for whatever your goals might be. Binging. Pretty damn common. Pretty damn common as we try to pleasure we try to engage in pleasurable palate placation, right? Because anything will do when we're super hungry at the end of the day. We see it as a reward. We get bored at the end of the day. We get, we've been overworked. We felt like we've been sacrificing too much, too long. I sacrificed my hunger and my health. So I'm going to go ahead and eat whatever it is I see in front of me. Drink whatever it is I see in front of me. And that's that hunger, man. That's that hunger that propels us into that type of behavior. Overall, so that's the number two. Number three, this is the last way that hunger forces our behaviors. Our, our, it forces our weight gain. Like over time, the machinations of hunger that lead us to binge eat. And when we binge eat, one of the first things we like to do is cram sugary stuff into our maw. We start to gain weight, right? Our delicate metabolism is thrown into some kind of dysphoria. Eating any food is uploaded quicker than like a Marvel movie review the day after. It's right away. Our, our homeostasis is damaged. Damaged. Our metabolism is haywire and needs anything. Anything you eat at that point is going to go straight, straight to storage because your body's like, yo, I don't want to experience this level of hunger again. Not real starvation it's first world starvation it's temporary fasting but it feels like armageddon and the problem is our body doesn't want to feel like that so we start to store a lot of stuff knowing that we're not really utilizing a lot of stuff we're not circulating a lot of those molecules we're not converting a lot of that back into amino acids we are or yeah we're not we're thinking of long-term storage and inside the body what that is is fat it's fat. So a lot of what we, our body will say, hey, we have a new influx of blood sugar. Good. New blood sugar. Restore that to homeostatic levels. Let's adjust. And everything else, well, we're going to go ahead and start just cramming that into fat cells. And the more fat cells you have, because you kind of grew up in a, in a way that was like more, um, you have, if you're overweight when you're younger, chances are you have more fat cells by count. All right, and so it becomes easier to get heavy when you get to be an adult. You know what I mean? This makes us retain fat, and it's a pattern. Hunger's a beast sometimes. Hunger's a beast. Hunger's a beast because it's controlled. So it's this this um, this uh, matchup or this kind of square off between ghrelin and leptin. Ghrelin is the hunger hormone. Think of it as the hunger hormone. Think of leptin as the fullness hormone. When you get hungry, you're empty. You need food. When you have a lot of leptin, you're full. You don't need food. These two are at odds. Of the two stepbrothers, stepsisters that are at odds with each other, ghrelin is the rebellious one. Ghrelin is the barbarous one. Ghrelin's the one out here starting the most funk because that's the one that breaks the homeostasis. We talked about it earlier, hunger being the most unhomeostatic place that our body 
is in on a daily basis. And it's because of ghrelin. When we have a lot of ghrelin, it's a signal to our body to eat. The thing with ghrelin is, right? The thing with ghrelin is, satiating it, um, it, it's location on our, um, in, our, in our anatomy. Uh, positions it close to the brain, inside the brain, to pleasure center. So when we eat, we feel good. Because the receptors for ghrelin are located nearer to pleasure receptors for other parts of our body. The rub, the touch, you know, you got, I don't know, massage oil, <laughs> whatever makes you feel good, eating friggin' chocolate, whatever it is that's not about food, pleasure receptors are filled, activated inside your brain. Well, right around the corner, right up the street, down by homeboy's house is ghrelin. That's where ghrelin lives. It's near those receptors. And because of that, what happens is eating feels good. It feels like a Swedish massage, right? Eating feels good. And there's few among us that can deny this. Everyone will attest. Eating at times is orgasmic. It's pleasurable, right? It feels amazing to eat the perfect meal. And it's simply because of the location where ghrelin is inside your brain. When ghrelin gets plaintively high inside the body, we start acting a fool just to get something to eat. We start pounding sugary things into our maw, binging at the end of the day, which leads to weight gain. Right? When we let ghrelin get super high. And so we want to maintain the balance of this dysfunctional, semi-functional relationship, right? Between these two conflicting forces, these two juxtapos juxtaposing hormones, leptin is the one tasked with acting the square, with down-regulating, -reg surging, capricious ghrelin inside of the system. Leptin is tasked with calming down the super high aggro state of ghrelin. Leptin calms us and our hunger back down to normal and brings us back to homeostatic levels. The more leptin is in our body, the more full we are able to feel. And the more full we feel, the more normalized we are. And now I'm ready. Now I'm ready to go on that long road trip. Now I'm ready to get back in the ring. Now I'm ready to finish up the day with some banging ideas at the boardroom of ideas. Now I'm ready to produce at a high level and make this thing pop. That is the station of leptin. So it's always going to be this ghrelin versus leptin concentrational showdown, right? The more of one, the more we feel either full or the more we feel hungry in general. And it's natural that these two are going to be counter inversely related throughout the day. Ain't too much you could do about it. It's just going to happen that way. So now that we know this, we want to alert ourselves to one more thing. So it's like, yo, if you have too much ghrelin in your life, all you got to do is stay full. All you got to do is eat regularly throughout the day in order to counteract all of that buildup of that ghrelin. We want to make sure that the square leptin comes in and calms everything down, right? That's very easily kind of solved. We solve for X. We solve for hunger. It's keeping ghrelin at low concentrations. And so everybody that's super obese and super heavy, you have no excuse. You did it wrong. You did it wrong because you, you let your ghrelin get out of control. 
that might be the narrative or what we tell people. That might be what we think of loved ones that we know that are super overweight or even homeboy, homegirl that we know that's like just letting it get a little bit out of control, right? Oh, it's your fault. You didn't control your ghrelin. Well, Mother Nature says, hold up. I win. <laughs> Mother Nature wins. It's something I say a lot. Um, and what I mean is Mother Nature comes in and is like, here's the deal, though. You got too much leptin inside your body, which is the fullness hormone. Well, you stop being sensitive to it. You actually get resistant to it. You get resistant to it, and so you don't even notice it. If you have too much, too much input, too much nagging from the calming influences of what leptin was supposed to be, it has a deleterious effect on your biology. It become your body gets numb to it. And so once again, we're back to pounding sugary things, binge eating at the end of the day, and gaining weight. When we have too much, way too much leptin, like way too much leptin versus ghrelin. Isn't that a beast? Can't win. This, however, isn't something that is super common to everybody. This is more or less the outcome of a largely dysfunctional relationship with our feeding and hunger hormones, this is over time, having poor eating habits or over time, um, constantly for years and years, learning that binging is the only way. When binging is the only way and that leptin gets set up there and calms down the actions of ghrelin, well, there's more leptin because we have to overcome more ghrelin, more concentration at an acute given time of leptin starts to pile up and that leptin actually... Uh, larger in concentration and duration sticks around a little bit longer to the body is like, I don't even want to hear it anymore. Leptin. Right. And that is the relationship between those two hormones. It is a delicate one as is all relationship with hormones inside your body. So what we need to do to solve this, right? So that, yo, whenever we think about being hungry, what we do is we actually satiate ourselves quicker than we do starve. Less starve, more satiation. And what that's translated to over the last 10, 15 years, at least as long as I've been in training, is like eating smaller snacks or grazing is oftentimes the situation. I don't know how many times I mentioned it before, but my uncle in his 70s whipping my butt at ping pong, even though he's in his 70s, looking like a shredded Iron Man just just dog walking me <laughs> across the ping pong table underneath an angry Florida sun. <laughs> that man grazes. That man eats trail mix multiple times throughout the day. Might even settle down for one, two big meals on a daily. Not overweight, very vital, and is approaching his 80s. I always think about that when I think about how do we graze, how do we snack. Is it true that you should eat multiple times a day? For the vast majority of us, the answer is yes, especially if you want to control your weight. You want to control the weight, we're probably going to have to eat multiple times. If you want to stay where you're at, you want to probably, if you want to stay where you're at and you're kind of like on the heavier side, meaning, you know, you're like, man, 28% body fat if you're a guy or maybe like, um, you know, you don't mind staying there. I'm going to say for either 28%, right? 26 28 for women if you're up in the uh you know 22 23 if you want to stay around there what you're probably going to notice is like you don't want to eat that much throughout the day 
right? You want to eat three times. You want to fuel your workouts and that's it. That's for maintenance. And that's a recommendation not for achieving big goals of body fat loss and performance, but just, yo, quotidian wake up, stay the same type goals. Again, it's big meals. It's a few times a day. It's satiate yourself. But when we're looking to stay really active, fuel the body, feel energized, right? We need to manage the relationship between these two hungers because the last thing you want is to act a fool because you're super duper hungry. So manage the hormones. That's the message of the day. I'm going to leave you with that, right? Don't be hangry. (laughs) Stay hungry, but also stay fed. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Go to Apple Podcasts and rate the episode there. Give me five stars and I'll send you a free gift. I promise. Head to the show website at egokillershow.com. Reach out and let me know that how that worked out for you. All right. And until the next time, stay up.